teens today are confused. Uh, basically, they've grown up in an insane world. Uh, is it more complex than it was for our fathers and for our grandfathers? Immeasurably. Immeasurably more complex. The taivas are greater. The uh, environment is, is totally unpure. The, uh, the families are larger, which complicates matters, makes things more complex. Uh, everybody's fighting for time. Uh, there are learning issues all over the place. Kids cannot find their place in yeshivas. So I know I'm supposed to be here, but uh, what am I supposed to be doing here? And what's going to happen to me? So there's mass confusion. So the, uh, you see a teenager that grows up normally today, it's a nace nigla. It's an open miracle to really grow up completely normally today. So the, the problems that we're facing today are, are far greater than ever, ever before. I don't think anyone knows correct figures about how many kids are dropping out or, uh, or spinning out. Uh, and I think it's probably wrong to speculate on the exact number, or even, even, even an estimate. Uh, suffice it to say that it's an epidemic. Um, and to, suffice it to say that despite our best intentions and, the, and all the great things that have happened, and there have been great things that have happened in the last 10 years, great, de great developments, it's moving so much faster than we can keep up with that we're winning battles, losing the war. Which doesn't mean that we're doing a bad job, it's just we just can't keep up. So I think that uh, it's rampant, and it's talking about boys and girls, uh, it's rampant. But at the same time, and if we wouldn't be doing anything, it would be even worse. There's no question about that. But uh, the fact that there are so many uh, is, is a tragedy. But it continues this way, and, it's, uh, and it probably is going to continue this way, uh, no matter how great our efforts are. I hate to sound so pessimistic, but that's just the nature of the beast. That's what's happening today. So we just can't keep up with it. We're doing a nice job, a lot of efforts, a lot of wonderful things. Kids are turning around. I think it might be appropriate to say that there are a lot of kids that grow out of it, so to speak, without much intervention. A lot of kids like that. They just kind of grow up, so to speak. So that happens too, but there's, there's plenty. You know, when someone wants to become a gare, so we always discourage him. And we see, we test him, see if he comes back. And when he comes back, what do we do? Push him away again. And if he comes back a third time, we push him away again. Because we want to see, what are we trying to test? We're trying to test, does he really want it? You want to sign up for membership in this club? There's, there's fabulous things that are going to happen. The benefits of this club are incredible. But along with the benefits come some pretty serious responsibilities. We want to know that you're for real. If a kid is disenfranchised with the entire, his entire life, so at that point, he's not looking to add more responsibilities to his life. Plus the fact that he doesn't really see the benefits. He's not up to the point where he can appreciate what the benefits are. So all he sees are, this is a pain. Yiddishkeit, so much to do and so much I can't do. That's really the issue. When it gets to that point, the kids say, I really don't need this. So even the unknown at that point is more alluring and more attractive than having to sign up for all the obligations and responsibilities, especially when you can't really see what the benefits are. So to me, it's not a surprise. 
Uh, once kids are unhappy, it's very hard to keep them in the fold. When a kid gets uh, hooked on drugs or, or any other kind of serious addiction or serious problem, the, the people in the home, the authorities in the home, react basically in one of two ways. Either they're in denial or they overreact. So when you deal with the deniers, these are the people that cannot believe that something is happening. They let it go too easily because the slope is so slippery that as soon as a kid gets a taste of something that is improper, before you know, before you turn around, he's at the bottom of the hill. So you really got to catch it very quickly. But there are many people, and you can't blame them, that they just deny it. So there's a tremendous amount of mass denial, not my child, it can't be, or it can't be that bad, uh, or I just prefer to, uh, I prefer to put my head in the sand because I, it's too painful. So when there's a lot of denial, kids get into more trouble because, as I say, the slope is so slippery. The other kinds are the ones that overreact. And when they overreact, the problem is just as bad. They become the taskmaster, they become the mashgiach, they hover over the child, they smother him, and they push him to the wall and they push him to the brink. Uh, and when that happens, you're only pushing the child away from you further and further. So the parents, whoever the authorities are, when they go to either extreme, are exacerbating the problem, and uh, the result is tragedy. The whole house is up in turmoil. It affects every fiber of every person living in that home. It affects every waking hour, which is now 24-7, because the people in the house don't sleep anymore. And then it just starts kind of steamrolls and an avalanche occurs and one thing leads to the other and the tensions rise and there's no sleep in the house and the voices rise and the pressure increases. One thing leads to another and uh, it's, a, it's a very sad situation. Now, how about a teenager going through this crisis? What kind of pain is he in? It's hard to describe the pain of a teenager going through this kind of chaos in his own life. It's almost, I almost feel that it's improper, inappropriate to speak for a teenager who can really describe it for himself. I've spoken to many hundreds of them and some of them uh, claim not to be in pain at all. Those are the worst ones because they can't really be reached. An addict, for instance, everyone knows cannot recover until he hits bottom. He has to hit bottom first, and at that point he feels so desperate that he wants to change. A kid who has that much pain that he's on system overload, he's got to turn it off because he just can't feel it. That kid cannot, is in the worst situation because he's not feeling the pain. When we feel the pain, that is what motivates us to change. You put your finger in the fire, you take it out because it hurts. If your nerve endings are finished, you put your finger in the fire, nothing happens. You keep it there. What happens? Chas v'shalom, you lose your finger. Pain is a wonderful thing. There is no greater motivator than pain. Pain and fear. Oh, that'll get you going. So the kids that don't have that or are in so much denial that they can't feel it, those kids are not ready to get help. The pain is just too enormous. So they've got to switch off. And then there are those kids... Who are, uh, who are able to verbalize the pain 
or able to show or demonstrate enough pain uh, by doing everything possible. And usually they have tremendous attention-getting devices, screaming, yelling for help in so many ways, uh, but people don't listen. And what they really want, what they really need, of course, is love. And uh, you give them enough of it. I think Home Sweet Home has proven that. You give them enough of it, and that's the ingredient. You give them enough of it, and it's magic. But without saturating them with that, with enough unconditional love, the pain is too much to bear. Parents frequently ask, because everybody parents in fear today. Every parent is, uh, that I see walks around in fear. They're just afraid of, of, of what's going to happen. And every parent wants to know, what can I do to prevent this? What's my best chance? The first answer is tefillah. I mean, that's the first answer. And that, and that sounds simplistic, but sometimes you forget. You know, you have to put your efforts in tefillah uh, all over the place. In Atachayin Ladim Das, you want to, you know, I hope you have the right things to say because there's so many decisions to make. And in Shema Kaleinu, I mean, there's, there's so many opportunities in Maidim. So the first step is tefillah. That, I think that's Aleph. After that, you have to realize, parents have to realize that the, quote, prevention of this problem starts when they're very, very young, very, very, very young. The investment has to come very early in the, in the growth of your children, very early. And by that, you know, you have to do all the intangibles, the things that you really cannot do, like looking at every one of your children like an only child. If this was my only child... What would I be doing differently? I think that's an important question that parents have to ask themselves. How much time would I give this child? Where would I go with him? What would I, how much time, how much, what kind of quality time would I spend with him? Pretend. Pretend that this is my only child. What really, what would I do differently? When you get the answer to that question, then there's a lot that you can do because some of it you can do. Not all of it, but some of it you can do. So you've got to spend a lot of quality time and personal time and individual time with the kids, especially can hardly have large families. You have to spend individual time. You've got to throw them in the car wherever you go on an errand. You have to think of them wherever you go, pick up little tchotchkes for them, show them that they're always on your mind. Spending time is, is crucial. You have to bring, of course, a simcha sachayim into your own life. Um, then if I, can, if I can divert for a second and tell you that, the, the Naipas Rav once said, it's an unbelievable thing, you'll never say Kriyashma the same way again. He says, well, you say in every Kriyashma, Yom Valayla, we say, Vishinantam Levanecha Vidibartabam. We have to teach our children. So, teach our children? How do you teach your children? So the Kriyashma, it says, it's Taira. It says, when do you have to do this? Beshiftacha Vaviseacha. When you're sitting in your house, when you're going on the road, when you go to sleep, when you get up, you always, you always have to do it. The Naipaster Rav says, it doesn't only mean when, it means how. You have to take care of yourself. Don't worry too much about what you're doing for your kids. Worry about yourself, because they are watching, and they are learning, and you are the role model. You are the ultimate role model for your children. Take care of yourself. Teach your children how? How you sit in the house. How you go in the street. What do you look like? How do you drive? How do you dress? How do you treat your spouse? How do you treat an ani at the door? How do you daven? When do you daven? Are you on time? Do you daven with kavana? Are you, are you a tzniyastik a person? 
Take care of yourself. How you do it. The best guarantee, which there are none, but the best chance that you have to raise proper kids is take care of yourself, bring a simcha sachaim into your life. Teach your kids about how it's great to be a, a, a Torah Dikid. It's the most pleasure in the world. It's the greatest pleasure in the world. Never, never let them think that it's an oil or that you have to meshleptzach and it's so hard and it's so... Duh. Never let them feel that way. That, 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 that's the, the icker message that you can give them. And of course, as I said, individual time, lots of understanding, um, and, a, and a happy life. And shalom bayis. Everyone I know knows somebody who is in trouble. Either deeply in trouble, mildly in trouble, or on the way to going to trouble. And it could be a family member, it could be a, uh, a distant family member, it could be a neighbor, it could be a friend's child, it could be anybody, but everybody knows somebody. So everyone has, unfortunately, everyone has an opportunity, but more than that, everyone has an achrayas to do what he can. What do I mean, do what he can? Simply, simply speaking, people are mostly afraid of these kids, and they feel that they are unapproachable. Nothing could be further than the truth. Nothing could be further. It is not so. These kids are not unapproachable. As a matter of fact, they're starving for you, for you, to go over to them and to say a friendly word, to say something. It doesn't have to lead to an invitation for Shabbos, if that's not what you're comfortable with. And it doesn't have to lead to you volunteering for an organization. And it doesn't, have, doesn't mean you have to go bowling with them. And it doesn't mean you have to uh, lend them your car or $150. It doesn't mean that. It means uh, have the slightest piece of a relationship that just says there's another yid out there that cares. A little bit. It cares a little bit. I guarantee you, if, if everybody took that achrayis, it would be a different scene already. It would be a different scene. Even if everybody did a, a drop, just a small drop like that, it would be a different scene. No, I'm not a professional, and I don't really, I'm not going to fix the problem, and who knows, maybe I'll make it worse. Okay, okay, fine. You know, all, all true. But that doesn't exempt you from the basics of the and especially when a kid is especially in need and really wants you to. Doesn't mean when you go over to him and you say hi that he's going to hug you and he's going to say, oh, where you been all my life? Oh, finally! No, you're not going to do that. As a matter of fact, he'll probably push you away and test you a little bit and see if you're really interested. But if you see him on upon occasion and you keep going eventually and not too, not too far in the future, it's going to go through. It's going to pass through. It's going to make a difference. He's going to feel it. And that's it. And that's it. Just befriending him. I think everybody can do that and everyone should. We would all love to believe that there is no problem or that the problem is Yenem's problem, somebody else's problem. Or we'd all love to believe that it's a small problem, yeah, a little bit over here, a little bit over there. I can tell you because I'm in the trenches it's not a small problem. It's a big problem. It's here with us to stay. We have to deal with it. But the good news is, is that we're capable of it. We are capable of dealing with it. We're capable of making a serious difference in a lot of kids' lives. Period. You can do it. Don't be afraid. Don't shun your responsibility. You'll find you'll have enormous satisfaction from it, by the way. I found that out and you'll be thrilled that you ever got involved.
There are basically three secrets to the success of Home Sweet Home. Structure, love, and Avi Feshov. Those are the three secrets. All of them are very hard to come by. It's very hard to get really good structure that makes sense, that's consistent, that you can rely on, that the kids know this is a schedule, this is what's coming tomorrow, this is what's coming the next day, I know what's happening, because most of these kids, or a lot of these kids, don't have structure in their homes. So having that is, is crucial. Love, and by love I'm talking about unconditional love, and that's, it's just all over the place, and I'm sure that the kids talk about it all the time. Uh, one after another, every person who's involved in this incredible project is a loving person. Every person that I've met involved in this project is a loving, passionate, dedicated person. Every one of them. They're out there. They're, they're, they're there. And, you know, the, the, their involvement in it has created like a, uh, an, an aura of love that no matter what happens, there's a lot of, there's just, there's just so much care and so much passion that comes through from every person involved with these kids that uh, you, it can't help but penetrate. And number three, Avi Fishoff, you know, he's, you know, this will probably be deleted from the tape, but that's only because he's behind it. You know, he, uh, who else in the world could put together this kind of project and can put together a staff and a group of dedicated people like this? I mean, it's incredible. Just, you know, reading his, his, his stationery makes you dizzy. Yeah, so uh, the guy's incredible. There's, there's a yachid b'dayrei, and, uh, and the success of it is all really his. And uh, the Rabbi Shlaylam has given him more siyata d'shmaya in this area than than anyone else, I believe, in the world. So you know that's not an incident, not an accident or a coincidence. Right. Home sweet home has put together an incredible array of people from from all walks of the Torah Velt from Litvish and Yeshivish and Chassidish and from Alakreza. Everybody's involved. Everybody's drawn to the home sweet home. It's like, you know, when, when, when you get a call about something that's going on, you can't say no. It's just, there's something about it. You just cannot say, oh, I don't have time for it or, you know, ask somebody else. I've never heard it. There is no such thing. Uh, the people are so dedicated and the people are so uh, attuned to what is necessary that there's nothing like it in the world. It is the most unique, the most incredibly unique and devoted group of people that, uh, that have ever been assembled for a project of this kind. And uh, there's nothing like it, and it shows. And the success speaks for itself.